And the Oscar goes to, by a nose, Nicole Kidman. Hi, Nolan. Hi, Sam. <laughs> How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, I moved out of the recording closet because they're doing construction, like literally on the other side of the wall. And I was testing the audio levels to see if it would be noticeable. And it is just very noticeable. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you sound great. You sound like you're in like, a little recording booth. Oh, thank you. I'm coming to you live from my very echoey living room. So we'll see how this goes. Um, thank you for joining me from your from your mother's house. I'm coming live from my mom's dining table. Um, I had to move her puzzle <laughs> out of the way that she was working on. So it's just great. <laughs> Wait, what was the puzzle? Um, it's a New Yorker cover from 1984. Um, it's a snowy scene. Um, I've been helping her work on it because... Um, I, <laughs> that's just how I am. I think that we should just not talk about a movie today and you could just talk us through your puzzle progress. You totally can. It's 500 pieces. Um, it's called Snow Day. I have the box right in front of me. Oh my God, I need to stop. Okay. <laughs> I become obsessed with puzzles. All right, let's, let's, um, we could table the puzzle talk. Otherwise I actually will talk about it for an hour. Um, Deal. What, what have we brought you here to talk about that isn't a 500 piece puzzle? Um, we're here to talk about one of my faves. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, the 2007 film, The Invasion, with Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman. Uh, Nicole won her second Academy Award for The Invasion. <laughs> oh, wait, shit. Fuck. Um, we're here to talk about To Die For, aren't we? Yep, we're here to talk about To Die For. <laughs> okay, sorry. <I> <laughs> Are, you that that bit? Bit? Are you proud of that bit? Are you proud of that I had it written down. Okay, uh, we're here to talk about... Bit. We're going to talk about my favorite film to die for. Well, one of my favorite films. Uh, I'm so, I'm so excited. I know I say this, I say this more episodes than I don't say this, but I I'm very excited that you are here to talk about this. I think I got really lucky with a lot of these pairings. Um, it's like possibly my favorite thing about this podcast is just like yes. seeing what people are excited about. But this combination um, just makes me so happy, and specifically, and I don't want to like blow your reveal but when we talked about this last night we were both watching the movie um you were doing some of the most important investigative journalism i've seen in years which is i'm pretty sure you ca- tried to count how many outfits she wears in this movie and i like lost count but yes i tried to do it um and you were like this is like evita level changes and i think i said yeah. sex in the city the movie but like both well, were i think I might be wrong about this, and I'm going to um, consult friend of the podcast, Jorge Molina, to see if I am incorrect. But I think there's actually, she actually has, or that movie has the like Guinness record for most outfit changes in a movie. Yes. I, you said that last night, so then I went and like looked at it. I think it's like 85 changes or something ridiculous. <laughs> when you told me that about this movie, I was laughing specifically at the scene where like she's doing the, um, she's like trying on all those different like, um, lingerie outfits for Lydia. Lydia. And I was like, yeah. And I was yeah. like, he, he, there's no way he can keep up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's when I lost count because I'm like, she's putting on like 13 different things, but. Uh, was this, um, was this your first like big Nicole exposure or first like iconic moment? Or is this just your favorite? Um, no, well, I think it was my second Nicole film I saw. I think like a lot of folks, um, I think Moulin Rouge was probably my first just from, I was, when I was born and when I started, you know, hacking into the HBO channels at home, um, I started watching like Moulin Rouge, 
But um, To Die For was always on for some reason. It's one of those films that I always felt like was on like a pay-per-view channel or like was on television growing up for me. So I always saw like this and then like A Perfect Murder with like Gwyneth Paltrow and Michael Douglas. Like those two films were always sort of on similar, like, I guess, topic, but very different style choices. Um, So I guess this was the second Nicole film I saw. I think the first time I saw it, I was, uh, okay, scary, but I think I was like seven or eight years old when I first saw To Die For uh, the first time. And I was like in awe of it. Of course, I didn't understand most of it, but as time has gone on and I've rewatched it, uh, it's taken on new meaning. But yeah, I think it was probably the second Nicole film I saw following Moulin Rouge. And then I saw, I think, Eyes Wide Shut and Practical Magic. And then eventually, uh, you know, the iconic The Hours, which changed everything. Um, <laughs> But we won't discuss that. I was just imagining you being like a um, very like stuffy businessman walking into seeing the hours and then walking out and just having like your single earring and just like cartwheeling out. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. My whole life was overturned. Um, You know what's really sad though? I think the first time I watched the hours, I didn't realize that was Nicole. I was like young enough that I don't remember, like it didn't click with me that that was Nicole Kidman. Um, like I knew who Marilyn, I knew who Julianne Moore were, but I didn't know that was Nicole because she had kind of transformed herself so much for that role that I had separated herself from the rest of them. But that's just side note. <laughs> oh no, I think that's I think that's valid. Um, there's definitely been at least one other person on this podcast who has said that, and also like in the hours episode, Tom and I talk about how like even now watching it as an adult, like there are moments where you actively forget, and and it's like more than just the nose. Yes. You know? Yeah. <sighs> oh, but also the Chanel commercial she did with Baz Luhrmann. I'm not, I guess I'll treat that as somewhat of a text because I remember seeing that like on television growing up too. And like that to me too is like a text in itself because I'm like, wow, like Nicole Kidman is the most beautiful woman in the world. I had a huge crush on Nicole and still kind of do. And something about me saying that to my parents, I think they had an idea that I was gay, but that's funny. And like a side note, because I think I called her like glamorous and beautiful and I wanted to like be like her. Um, But, you know, I guess that was the start of my Nicole obsession. I think about that. um, I think about that a lot, which is like uh, finding women beautiful and like expressing attraction for that, like as, as a gay man. And because the women typically aren't the same, which is not to say that straight men don't find Nicole attractive because this movie is like predicated on that premise. But like, even I was watching (laughs) who I know we'll talk about a lot. I was watching like Ileana Douglas in this movie. And even last (laughs) night I was like, Oh, she's like stunning in this like Shelley Duvall esque way. And it's like, Oh, what I'm saying is just like, I'm gay. I, I'm gay. <laughs> like over and over again. That's like the subtext of that. Because There's just, I don't know. Yeah. I just think of that like Ellen Page like picture. And it's like, what I'm, you know, I'm here because I am gay, I guess is yeah. like my, <laughs> my overarching uh, fascination with Nicole Kidman. Um, um, sidebar, if I, I've been thinking about doing like bonus episodes for some of her like TV appearances. Like I really want to talk about when she was, like with Giada and she like rejected that pizza. Um, (laughs) And like, I was thinking about the Chanel commercial too. So if I ever do like a five minute bonus episode, I'm counting on you to come back and talk about that. Oh my God, deal. I'll wear the full, like I'm going to redo the Chanel outfit with the necklace behind her back. I don't know. It's like the most insane commercial. (laughs) I want to do that. I really want to do her. um, It's, was it Vanity Fair where they do that? Like 
73 questions and she like walks them through her summer house oh my god in australia yeah and she has her like alpacas oh Oh my my favorite part my favorite part is when um someone asks her well the guy asks her her favorite band and she says akadaka (laughs) (laughs) and then also when they ask her what her nickname is and she says pool shark which is like no it's not (laughs) that's her nickname for herself (laughs) oh it's so good um all right. Do you, should we get into it? Let's get into it. <laughs> um, the first note that I have is that the town is called Little Hope and that made me laugh so hard. Okay. I don't even remember that until I started rewatching it. And I'm like, wow, that's like the most beautiful, ironic name for this little town. And it sets the whole premise up. <laughs> it's so good because we, <laughs> this movie tells you exactly what it's going to be like six seconds in. And it's yep. revolutionary because it gives you it gives you like that in the form of I think like a newspaper headline I think that's how we see it it's like the little hope times or something yeah and then we get the title card like zooming in like powerpoint style kind of like a a soap opera intro like font included but it's over the funeral scene and Nicole's wearing like a leather jacket (laughs) and there's just rock music playing I love the music in this film it's really great like uh I guess like peppy music, but then it also kind of goes into that like mid nineties grunge that it's just really fun. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I love and the, that. Only thing, the only thing that breaks those things up is when you get the kind of like children choral singing, Yeah, <laughs> which is horrifying. But like the way this movie wants you to think about the media is apparent from the second, because the whole title sequence is just um, like headlines, basically telling you the plot of the movie before we've even started. Right. And I kept trying to pause it and like read what each of the little headlines were saying and all the body paragraph and it kind of followed it. I don't know if they pulled it from somewhere or if they even pulled it from, um, I guess, the inspiration behind the movie, the smart murder. But um, it's it does kind of lay out, you know, the obsession with the teenagers and the murder. Um, they do a good job with it. And I also love the slow motion of the news reporters like running in to get to the funeral and one of them trips. It's like really great. I guess it sort of had a, I don't know why I say this, but like a Chicago-esque intro to me. There was this obsession with the murder and, you know, reporting around the murder of a husband. Yeah, um, I think <laughs> I think we might have similar ideas because I know that we both wrote a bunch of notes about... Um, I, Tanya, which we'll probably yep. talk about at length at some point. I think it's undeniable. Yep. Um, I wrote some notes about Chicago as well. I wrote some notes about Gone Girl. Um, and, oh God, I, yes. uh, <laughs> and I wrote some notes about... Um, oh, shit. What was the other thing I wrote? It doesn't matter, but I'm ready to talk about... I'm ready to talk about Gone Girl. I'm ready to talk about all these things. I was thinking that like there's a part in the movie, you know, the part in Chicago where she like can tell she's losing steam and then she comes up with that thing that she's pregnant. Yeah. And they all like, turn there back is to a, her. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a shot for shot or like beat by beat recreation of that later in this movie. And I was just like, Oh, it's Chicago. Yeah. But like, really, <laughs> can we talk about a difference between I, Tanya and this though, that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Filmed interviews as well in like a very similar format to, the kind of interviews that we see in this movie. But the difference here that I noticed is we can hear the director or the kind of like quote unquote person directing these interviews at a bunch of times where we don't I, Tanya. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Cause I, I think that's really interesting. I think it completely changes the environment that we're seeing those in. I think it's done well. I think it's 
it's only at certain parts that I really like. I, I, I don't know. The one I always think of is the Joaquin Phoenix one where he talks about the weather um, and how he has to quote unquote jack off every time. And then they sort of step in and say like, you, you can't say that. Um, I, I, I think yeah. it's done um, well. I, I guess where I, Tanya, I didn't, I liked it without the, the input of the director. I think here it works because you have Nicole and she sort of does the mockumentary. I'm sorry, I'll refer to her as Suzanne Stone, uh, does the uh, mockumentary and she sort of intervenes behind the camera. So I guess it's a good play worth it. Um, it works. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was essentially going to be my justification too, is I think it's interesting because we see the director with Joaquin Phoenix and we understand this to be kind of some sort of like police footage maybe. And then we assume the same for Nicole and then at the, or Suzanne. And then at the end of the movie, we see her kind of step out and, you know, we learn that she's recording herself, which I think is an interesting kind of moment in the movie. Yes. Um, um, I'm definitely going to call her um, Suzanne Summers, by the way. I feel like over the course of this recording, because there's some, like, I feel like I'm just going to blurt out Suzanne Summers instead of Suzanne Stone, because... Oh, that's fine. I'm probably just going to keep calling her <laughs> Nicole most of the time. Okay. We'll call um, her Nicole. If it makes you feel any better, when I recorded the episode um, for the others, I had to s- restart sentences, like, every five seconds to kept saying the hours. <laughs> Whoops. I mean, it's so similar. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> even like right, even right now, I was like, which one did I say first? Which one do I have to say next? Um, oh my god. Are you ready to talk about the introduction of the other characters, which happens like pretty much immediately in the form of of similar interviews, specifically one Ileana Douglas? Um, absolutely, the star of the show. <laughs> she, I mean, she's truly the best thing in everything she's in, and I mean that. Well, yes. I mean, Nicole is gives a career performance here, but she just like is such a scene stealer. She's oh my god, she's so good. I mean, right off the bat, just skating up to the front, very I Tanya as we'll connect it. Um, but I just I love her. The uh, the what would I what would I describe Susanna as? Like four words starts with a C. Like that was great, and then she goes cold. But it's like yeah, <laughs> that was a great line. I think the funniest thing she says in the whole movie is a little bit later when she's um, like, it's before she gets like cut off by Suzanne. Cause Suzanne can tell that she's like stealing the scene. Um, yeah. But she says like, Oh, I'm working on a new figure skating number. It's like a tribute to great TV shows. <laughs> Blossom. And it's like never explained. Yeah. It's never explained <laughs> what she's doing. Oh, it's so fucking funny. I wish we got more of her like like figure skating. I wanted more of her like in the performance, like maybe doing her blossom number, but sadly we never got that. I know what we do get at the end is like, we see her skating and they do this very clever thing because the skating happens during all the credits where she skates out of frame after a little while. And then we get like what I, well, what is a like figure skating double to come in and like really show us the shit, which I think is really smart. Yeah. Um, cause they didn't have that CGI budget that I, Tanya had. They did not. <laughs> Everyone keeps talking about how distracting it is. I thought it was most distracting on like young Tanya. And then I actually didn't mind it for Margot Robbie. And maybe I'm in the vocal minority here. I just, yeah, I sort of lost myself when it came to I, Tanya. It didn't really bother me after a certain point. Maybe with the younger Tanya, yes. But with Margot, no, I don't know. I sort of, yeah, I got right into it. Yeah, I feel very naive saying that, and I'm sure a million people are going to yell at me, but um, I I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, like, there's a scene where we're meeting the family, and we're meeting um, 
we see both sets of parents, both uh, Suzanne and um, what's her husband's name? Larry. Larry. Larry's parents on like a Maury-esque show. Um, and yes. one of them makes a comment. One of them makes a comment about like ethnic relationships. Do you know oh what I'm talking about? Yeah. Wait, didn't, was it Nicole who said that or was it in the, her little, um, Oh, maybe it was Nicole. It's like yeah, different maybe. ethnic relationship setups. Cause she was talking about her last name is Moretto, but her professional name is Stone. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, on that note, I, the next note that I have is just Matt Dillon's accent is so rough. Like it's so bad. Yeah. It's, it's very like Tony pajamas. Like I can't take it seriously <laughs> at all. Ma, pa, like I can't even do it without bursting into laughter. But he's good in this. He's cute in this. I'll say that. He know. is cute in this. My first yeah. Gone Girl parallel is that um, it's like my first big Gone Girl parallel here is that it's a brother sister working at a bar, much like the the setup of Gone Girl the movie Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Wait, which makes Ileana Douglas our Carrie Coon, <laughs> <laughs> our queens. Um, uh-huh. Oh my God. I'm always going for the sister who knows what's right. Um, wait, <laughs> I read in the IMDB fun facts for this. I don't know if you looked at this. They were a total treasure trove, but like, I guess um, she was the inspiration for, wait, where is this? Oh yeah. Rosamund Pike said that she used Kidman's performance as an inspiration for her performance in Gone Girl, which was so great. Oh, please. Um, I copied and pasted one IMDb note and it was this one and I was going to save it and let me read the let me read the, the full thing. and complete list yeah. because they it's just great. a laundry it's a laundry list of favorite performances it says Nicole Kidman's performance in the film went on to serve as inspiration for several other actresses one Reese Witherspoon in Election already sold two Charlize Theron in Young Adult so good and three Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl <laughs> can you imagine a list better three iconic <laughs> performances um yeah, there were some funny facts about this film. Um, oh, wait, did you read the fact this is... Okay, we're going to go on a tangent, but like the other IMDb fact that I pulled out was the short list of actresses that were considered for uh, Suzanne instead of Nicole or Meg Ryan. I think Meg Ryan was like the other big one, which was weird to me. But Meg the- Ryan, well, Meg Ryan infamously, like her big thing was that they offered her $5 million. She said no. And then the, Nicole did it for two. But there, but there was like a long, long list. So please feel free to read. It's that just list. insane. The list it's Patricia Arquette, Jennifer Connolly, Joan Cusack, Bridget Fonda, who cares? Jodie Foster, Melanie Griffith, Daryl Hannah, Holly Hunter, Jennifer Jason Lee. Mary Louise Parker, Sarah Jessica Parker, all the Parkers, Michelle Pfeiffer, Brooke Shields, and Uma Thurman. All would have which could have done the role. <laughs> it would have been yeah. like interesting to see all versions of this film with all the different actresses play Suzanne Stone. It's like, I mean, I would watch every single one of those. I've gone on this podcast many times and shared an adoration for both Jennifer Jason Lee and Mary Louise Parker and Joan Cusack, really. Yeah. Um, but like, would I watch a Holly Hunter to die for? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> in, in no world uh, will I not. Um, I think it's so interesting. There was, I can't remember the other movie Nicole did this year. I want to say it might have been, oh, shit. Oh, the year? Batman, right? Yeah. It was it Batman? I was going to say that. I didn't want to sound dumb. I think it was Batman. Uh, I think you're right, because that was what my initial thought was going to be. Um, but my point there is like, and this only works if that point is correct. Um that like Dr. Chase Meridian and Batman is not 
exactly the most like interesting role. No. Um, it is like very bombshelly in the same way that like this is in a career of Nicole's that like doesn't have a lot of like explicit bombshell roles. Um, and I think it's just really interesting that that one year like all, 100% of her cinematic work was was summarized by that. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously um, there's like a lot more to this performance than just that, but it's just funny in like a career that has so many different categories that like she nailed nailed it all in one year. She really did. Yeah. She really broke out. This was it. Um, I think the scene after we get the exposition with like Matt Dillon and Ileana Douglas is the scene where they're at like a brunch or something. And Nicole is basically like telling Ileana that she wants to be successful. She needs to like have plastic surgery. And then the example she gives is like plastic surgery to take out the small blemishes in your face. And Ileana (laughs) Douglas's face is so good. She's just sort of like that. Like, I'm going to kill you. But like smile looks at Matt Dillon. Oh my god. The only thing I could think of during the scene was um just like the overuse of the word shade, specifically on Twitter. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about this and I was like thinking about Paris's burning, and I was like, oh Nicole's literally doing like the textbook definition of shade, which is like, I'm not telling you you're ugly, but you know you're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Oh my god. But I think I also love it. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I just think Ileana Douglas just does so much with her face in this scene. I mean, it's so good. She says it all in response and just says nothing. Um, the way the way her face looks when Nicole's talking about, like, Gorbachev and yeah. how she can't wait to interview him someday. <laughs> oh, my God. She said, if he had that nasty thing removed on his face. Oh, my God. She also makes a comment. She also makes a comment about the Jewish persuasion, which I thought was really funny. Right. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I think that's what's so great about this role and like Nicole is that she's trying so hard to be this like very polished reporter who's hot on all the news. And then she makes these sort of just absolutely ridiculous statements like that, the Jewish persuasion. I mean, what's funny too is like nobody falls for it no. except for the, except for the children. Like there's not a single adult, like even the people that hire her in the newsroom realize she's an idiot. Like everyone in both families realize she's an idiot. Um, I guess Matt Dillon does obviously, but uh, Matt doesn't. Yeah. But Janice is all over it from <laughs> seeing numero uno. But even like the parents, like we get introduced to a queer icon, Holland Taylor at this point. Um, I forgot she played the mother. I like shrieked when she came on camera. <laughs> it's, it's so good. <laughs> There's also like that scene. I love that. I love what this movie does with editing because when we get introduced to them, this is where we finally see that like Maury show. And yeah. um, like it's either her or her husband whose uh, name is escaping you. And it's the guy that played Red Foreman on that 70s show. Um, oh, but, like, it's a weird name. Uh, Kurt? Kurtwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, th- th- one of them says, like, she wasn't that wild, and it, like, cuts to that scene of them just, like, fucking on the side of a tree. In the woods. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Wait, so there's good. also, like, her sister. What's her sister's name in this movie? Faye or something? Faye Stone. She just, like, sits off to the side and says absolutely nothing. Yeah, she has, like, one line in the scene where they're in the living room. <laughs> She's just, like, the silent sister. So they pretty much immediately get married. Um, the takeaway for this for me is a couple of things. One, the bridesmaids' dresses. Yep. <laughs> are, are insane. And then two, the fact that Nicole, like, Nicole's constantly saying, like, these sentences that are 
like alien sentences, but she thinks that they're things that people want to hear. So she like runs up to her dad and like whispers in his ear. And she says like, don't worry, I'll never find a guy like you, daddy. And she like, before she can even turn around to leave, he's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. I love when she throws the bouquet and nobody wants to catch it. Just like, that's great. Um, my note for this scene too is um, Ileana Douglas talking about how she designed the wedding bands. Oh yeah. And she's like, <laughs> and she's like Suzanne designed the wedding bands. Want to hear what they were? They were round and they were gold. I'm like, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the, that's the groundbreaking scene. It. Yeah. That's the groundbreaking scene in Devil Wears Prada before we ever had Devil Wears Prada. That whole scene, it's so funny. And it's also like a 30 second scene, that whole like wedding budget. And like, we don't even see the wedding rings ever. Nope. Oh, that <laughs> sequence is so good. Oh, there's also, um, what do they say about her veil? They're like, her veil was modeled after. Oh, Maria Shriver's, <laughs> the one she wore to her wedding. <laughs> <laughs> they also, oh this might not be this scene, but what do they say about, um, there's something later in the movie, and it just reminded me of it when they're talking about like, oh, it's just like Princess Di before she became a nudist. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Um, <laughs> did Liddy say that? Yeah, um, I think so. <laughs> Liddy is iconic. I can't wait to get to her. I know. I can't remember what it was about, but I remember just thinking that was so funny. We uh, another cinematic parallel. I noticed is when they go on their honeymoon and Nicole like abjectly refuses to tan um, or she says she can't be in the sun. And I was just like the others. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I also wrote down, this is where I wrote down figure skating to great TV shows, which is the funniest thing in the whole movie. Um, (laughs) But with the way Nicole cuts her off as she says like cut, cut, cut. Like she's just trying so hard to use like television lingo in her everyday life. I feel comfortable using, I feel comfortable using legal jargon in my everyday life. Cut, cut, cut. Um, oh my god. And what, what else did Ileana Douglas say? Oh, she thought she had taste, but well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she's so biting. I love her. She's um, oh my god, she's so good at everything. Like I was thinking about when she was on an arc of Six Feet Under, and I was just like, oh, I just want to watch her in, in anything. Didn't she win an Emmy for that? I thought she won an award. I think she or she was definitely nominated for guest appearance. Okay. She was um, so good at that. Yeah, she was great. <laughs> they eat this like dinner that's like a like a, a reed basket full of like small <laughs> vegetables. <laughs> Wait, what was the name of it? Oh my god, I can't remember. <laughs> it's uh it's unreal. Like it's just like a small woven edible basket with like there's like a baby like carrots. Yeah, there's like baby carrots and there's like some sort of like small gourd in there. It's like completely yeah. inedible. And then there's like some <laughs> entree. And she says like she says like this is a dish they make at Johnny Carson's favorite restaurant. Not even like this is what he orders when he goes there, but like this is a it's dish. Like, yeah. <laughs> Which we find out that she had like some local restaurant make for them and is revealed to Holland Taylor later in the movie. Oh yeah, she did have it made. Wait, I forgot about that detail. Um Oh, and the mother-in-law figured it out. Um, oh, yeah, they tell the mother-in-law because she just, like, plays along. I'm sorry, it wasn't Holland Taylor. It's the other lady. I think this is where we see, because these interviews are kind of, like, interstitially cut throughout the movie, but I think at this point, right before we meet um, queer icon Lydia, we get the 
the sorry i'm really fumbling all over this we get the you're nobody unless you're on tv kind of speech the what's the point of doing something if nobody's watching which again incredibly gifable moment and i i guess is a predecessor to the the world we live in now where maybe it's not so much tv but we are always performing for something um I didn't mention this, but I always watch, I watched this film like three times in college because I was like a media studies major and this movie was always at the forefront and this line and scene in particular is always like how we're always performing for the camera now and people were fascinated by showing this movie. Um, yeah, I think about... Professors. Uh, <laughs> I think about just like our existence on Twitter a lot. Oh my God. <laughs> and then also just that part at the end, since we're about to talk about Lydia, the movie pretty much ends with Lydia talking and she says she basically repeats this because she's obsessed with nicole um she repeats the same speech almost verbatim and then she like adds to it and says like but if everybody you know if being on tv makes you your best self it makes you good because like everybody's watching then if like everybody were on tv um we'd all be good we'd all be good and i'm just like oof oof (laughs) like that's really that's really the speech right there that's cutting yeah um does she go to the news station before, or is that later? Am I off? Am I linking of this out of order? You're right around there. Um, we get so we get the introduction to Lydia, which like her yes. comedic timing is so funny. Like her <laughs> squinting into the camera through her bangs, like the things that she says, like wearing that vest, everything about the car it. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> all the bu- all the bumper stickers. Yeah. Oh my god, she's so funny. She's, I mean, this movie just like, again, iconic, very, very important performance from Nicole, but like surrounded by so many other funny things. So many amazing supporting actors. I mean, Lydia's so good. And I don't think she hasn't done, I like tried to look into who this actress was, um, Alison Folan. She hasn't like done a lot of other stuff, unfortunately, because she's so good. Um. Yeah, her she was comedic- in Gus which yeah. follows you know in the Gus Van Sant, but she's so good. But I did realize that she's actually from the same town that I grew up in and went to my rival high school, which is funny. Um, oh, really? This actress, yeah, so funny, small world. Um, <laughs> um, the only thing that we get, <laughs> I have a lot to say about Lydia coming up. The scene where they're yeah. like, the scenes where they're in the mall together are just so funny to me. Um, so the only thing that we get before she goes to the news station is we re-see the honeymoon. Um, again, like another kind of like Gone Girl-esque trick, which is like we see a scene and then we learn that this scene like may not be as truthful as we have learned it to be. Um, Nicole really has planned the honeymoon so that she can go to that like news convention. Yeah. Um, and I she- love the like, I love the um, like little snippets of wisdom that I guess Nicole gives Liddy, like opportunities knocking at the door <laughs> and you either need to answer it or your knuckles going to get sore and they'll go into the next house. And then she goes, I think it was something like that. I don't know. Like it's, she doesn't really remember. Yeah. But it's it, so much funnier that we get them being told to us from Lydia rather than seeing Nicole tell them because like we like lose something in this kind of like telephone thing. And we also see it through her like very earnest eyes. Whereas like Nicole is just like piping this stuff out. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Um, the thing, the thing that we get from the like news conference is she meets this like very famous anchor who I thought was Albert Finney for a second from Aaron Brockovich. And I almost screamed, but, uh, <laughs> it, it's not sadly, but he tells her this very long story about like a, 
a like up and coming anchor woman who um, brought in a letter of recommendation that basically said like she's you know kind of smart and like has some experience, but like basically she'll just like blow you. And yeah. Paul like doesn't really get what's happening there. And then you know he changes the story and says you know like uh, that person later called. Uh, well, he says like that person became a very famous anchor woman, and he tells her who he like whispers. Um, and then he says like I like we later like called that person's boss to like ask him about the letter you know, he had no idea, meaning, like, she wrote the letter. But, like, Nicole's just like, so who wrote it? <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time you kind of, like, realize she doesn't really have a grasp on everything around her. Like, I don't know. You get the sense that she's super calculated and smart beforehand, in my eyes. And then she's sort of, that was the first, like, reveal of, like, she's not all the way there <laughs> with thinking about things. But, oh, my God, it's funny to watch her struggle. <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly that. It's like the first time that we see that she is, I mean, she's just faking it for the most part. She's like, I I don't know. I walked away at the end of this movie and I said, I guess she's very childish. I don't know if that's the exact right word to use, but I guess that's where I I felt like she felt very immature there. And um, maybe that kind of rang throughout the movie, but yeah. um, Oh, this boss guy was so creepy. Yeah, one of the next notes that I have is when she goes to the the news station that you were referring to, and she meets um, Newman basically. <laughs> Newman, because <laughs> she's like talking to him, and she's like, "Do you know where Edward R. Murrow started out?" And she's he's like, "No," <laughs> and she's like, "Well, I don't either at this exact moment, but I'm sure it wasn't at the top." Oh, but what's interesting about that scene, first of all, this is my fa- my first outfit that I like truly adore her in, like this sort of like really insane uh, houndstooth yellow pantsuit with the skirt. Um, I love her outfits in this movie. I guess from an outfit standpoint, I love Nicole's outfits. And I love that she wears bright colors in this movie. I love that the, I don't know, I always think of like um, Joan Cusack's character in Adam Family, the kind of the bright fun outfits spells out really kind of the evilness in her. Like it's not dark outfits per se. It's that she wears these very pink and pastel and yellow outfits. Um, my, and favorite, she's like this my favorite is the blue, blue blazer with the pink and then black polka dot scarf underneath it that she does on her yes. weather report. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And she wears like these yellow pumps to the high school in one scene. Oh my God. It's my favorite. Um, She's so many good outfits. Um, but we can get into that. Also, she repeats word by word the um, last line that that TV anchor guy sang at the news conference to Newman and his, like, crony. Um, the, like, television is in the fast-changing computer age. Like, television is the, like, binding medium between people. Yeah. And I hope, I, hope to, I hope you can make that dream become a reality for me. I, <laughs> and she looks insane as they like zoom in on her face she like gets a little bit more psycho um she's like so threatening oh my god it's great it's also like right here is where we get her like ideas montage where he's like she yep. had a lot of ideas and we see again like we see that red suit that she's wearing we see like four other outfits because she's got a different one each time and they're all like they're all definitive <laughs> <laughs> And her ideas are so bad. She's like, I did you get my notes about the children's show that I'm going to host? And then like another one is like, did you get the, the idea where I, I stand outside a movie theater and ask people what they really think? 
I want to interview real people. I want to interview <laughs> firefighters and local policemen and get in a sense of like what they're really about. I'm like, she oh says, God. she also says, I didn't write this down, but it just came back to me where she says like a sort of Vox Populi, if you know the term. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he's like, I know the term. <laughs> oh. Um, and then we get to her doing the weather, which yeah. is great because we <laughs> title sequence. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So they, they, frame it, they frame it in this way where it's like, he finally let me go on. And like, it's, it, it appears to be this, the day of, like one day they're just like, okay, well, you're going to do the weather. And then he makes a joke about, you know, like, he, you know, you would have thought she was covering Vietnam or something. So she does it. But then at the end, there's like a custom Chiron on the screen that's like... <laughs> It's, you know, like sunny Raider days. Raider Shine with Suzanne Stone. And I'm like, who at that station had the graphic design is my passion budget to make that on the same day? And she has that like catchphrase at the end. She's like, I'll see you tomorrow. Like rain, rain or shine, which I think is smart because like it locks her into like having to be there. But I was like, who? <laughs> she probably made it herself. I wouldn't put it past her. Um, the most important thing about that scene besides that is when it cuts to Nicole's family watching Holland Taylor is sitting there a screaming and B just photographing the screen. <laughs> just the little camera. Oh my God. She was like, um, it was like that photo of Stacey Lane Matthews in the drag race finale audience with her camera phone. <laughs> <laughs> I think of the gif of that woman taking a uh, photo the wrong way so it's of herself i don't know why oh um, are you talking about the the this just reminded me of that vine where those women are sitting at the table and you can see that they're trying to take a photo but the screen's turned away and they're just tapping on the calculator <laughs> app <laughs> uh, so um <laughs> once we see uh nicole's weather report we see like various people watching it we actually see um the detectives from later in the movie, we see them watching the report at a bar, which I didn't notice originally. I didn't notice that either. Yeah, I, just, the- I kept realizing there's a repetitive him showing the guy with the glasses, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't notice it. I realized it was the detective. We also um, see Joaquin Phoenix watching, and this is kind of like how we get introduced to this section of the movie. So we get like Joaquin, and we see his confessionals, and they're like from very obviously inside a jail. Uh, he yep. says that line that you mentioned where it's like, if it's raining, something, something, but if it's snowing, like I have to shut off, <laughs> which is just <laughs> like same, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, he's good in this movie. I really like him. He's, uh, I guess I had a crush on him as I first watched this like, once upon a time when I was a, a wee lad. Um, I don't know. He's cute in this movie, particularly with the short hair. He was in prison, but I guess, you know, I think we all have a flaw. Um, maybe, I, maybe I haven't gone on record as saying this on, on air, but um, it's no secret that I have a huge crush on him pretty much in anything. He's also in yeah. my favorite movie. And I'll say it once for this podcast, the village. Uh, <laughs> oh, good movie. Yeah. He's so good. And his um, cute little like cleft palette scar is very noticeable in this movie. And it's so charming. Yeah. Um, we also get someone who I don't really need to spend much time talking about, and that's Casey Affleck. Yeah, can we? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm so disappointed that this is his, I realize it's his first movie, so this is where he got his unfortunate start. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, he's also, yeah. like, 
I mean, he's fine in this movie. He shows up and does what he needs to. And I was trying to be objective about yeah. it, but like the character is really not that interesting to begin with. Um, yeah, he's just he's you know doing his like Boston accent, being like pervert. I don't know. He's very uninteresting in this movie. I we can spend very little time on him. Yeah, the only thing I have to say is like I was reading that the only reason that Gus Van Sant chose him out of kind of like that gang was because he was the only one that like still had the accent, and I was like, fine. Yeah. Um, the way that the characters all kind of come together is Suzanne, one of her like various projects is this like, what is it called? Like teen talk? <laughs> oh, teen speak out with Suzanne Stone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a video documentary by Suzanne Stone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she goes to the school to kind of like solicit interest. Um, and eventually we see the two of them and then Liddy all sign up. Um, and that's kind of what sets this in motion. We also see that scene of Joaquin uh, naked watching the news and like the audio shifts to like a fantasy. Oh yeah. Um, I think it's really clever that like, as soon as it starts to get like really explicit, like Nicole says, like it, he's watching it and like, she's doing the weather and eventually she's talking about like his penis, but she says like, you're big hard. And then like, it cuts to it cuts. him asleep and then that kind of like end of day service kind of like TV tone with the like colored block screen. I probably could have explained that more efficiently, but that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And then, yeah. Oh, he's so good. Oh, there was that like interesting sequence of the teacher, like threatening Casey Affleck to like sign up or the mob was going to like cut him up. Uh, oh yeah. That's a nice little detail. Cause he says like, don't you know who her husband is? Yeah. That was, I guess the, I don't know. First threatening detail of like the power, I guess there are, his family had. Yeah. There are like quite a few and some are like, this is the most like overt one. Um, I think right after this scene, we get the scene of Ileana in the hotel room where she's like on, on yes. tour wearing that like um, football jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but wait, she, there's like, there's a woman in the bathroom. Is that like her roommate or her teammate or her girlfriend? I'm only bringing that up. Th- that's my like question. I think... I mean, A, I have the same question because I think we're always looking for queer subtext. Um, she's also <laughs> know. she's also wearing, uh, like, the same kind of, like, jersey thing as Ileana. So I think it's a teammate. Like, I think it's safe to assume because we see them, well, we see them traveling don't. all around. But I think, like, and I don't mean to generalize, but I think, like, cinematically, haircut-wise, because we see her kind of washing her hair in the shower and it's very short. Um, and I think, that, yeah. like, the way that they're exchanging looks during the phone call, like, I think we are right. meant to be asking that same question. Um, I do think that okay. that's, like, very purposeful because I was actually going to get your take on it. I'm saying yes canonically, but I think that at the very least, Gus Van Sant is um, at least winking at the audience with this, if not overtly saying it. Right, because I think Liddy's, I, I think Liddy's sexuality was slightly open-ended, in my opinion, Um and also Ileana Douglas, to me, what's so, uh, was perhaps a little open-ended to me as well. What's really interesting to me is, like, I I think that it's very interesting for that Liddy character to also kind of have those, 
like questioning things and, and at some point they like call they like in the movie call her sexuality into question but then i was reading in the imdb trivia that like they cut out the subplot where her and casey affleck like had a thing for each other and i was like no <laughs> no yeah, no i'm glad they cut that out <laughs> i'm glad that was cut in the final it, yeah it no. doesn't make any sense I would not have because there's the next scene is um, the scene where Suzanne is trying on all the different underwear for Lydia, and we're it's shot yep. from a distance, and we see enough of the frame when she's trying on clothes to understand that when she's changing, that the like curtain is probably open. Did you notice that? Right. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is again, this is a scene that there is no subtext to the fact that this is sexual because she's she's changing in front of her. And I was like, oh, this is not interesting if you later have a subplot where her and Casey Affleck, like, fall in love. Right. Um, And you think, I I always thought, like, Nicole's, or Suzanne was, like, playing up on perhaps Lydia being open to the idea of, like, having a crush on her by keeping the curtain open. I don't know why I say that, but... No, absolutely, I agree. Very manipulative. Because then I think at some point Nicole calls her a lesbian. Mm -hmm. Um in the mall way later. Yeah. Um, um, I do want to talk about, cause they're in the mall right now. Cause they're at like, you know, yeah. what I assume is like, like a Victoria's secret. Um, they, we get this really interesting, like tracking shot. I don't know if that's actually what it is, but it, it they're sitting at like oh, around the table. Yeah. And I love, I love yeah. it around the table shot. Um, but it kind of slowly pans around them as we're getting a lot of exposition and it kind of like, kind of like dizzies the audience which is perfect because like the look on Liddy's face like she just simply doesn't understand what's happening right and i'm like oh what a fun way to show that um but this is where kind of the the seeds are planted that you know Liddy's mom has a gun um she also talks about like a history of sexual abuse and nicole's like oh just just forget all about that like you just put that out of your mind and then we move on and then i'm just like that is the worst advice you get and she's being so like you can tell that she's like just block it out. Yeah. Turn that you change the channel. Yeah, and you can tell that like Lydia's like obviously like maybe hasn't spoken about this before. And she's like doing a great job at like being honest about her feelings. And Nicole's just like, nope, no, no, nope. <laughs> Shut him out. <laughs> um Yeah. Uh, but I, I love that panning shot. You kind of do get dizzy and um that and I, maybe we can talk about it later, but there's another little shot that I really love. Yeah. Um, so it, what we established there is that, again, Liddy's mom has a gun um, and Nicole finds that very useful information. And so from here on, Nicole slash Suzanne's goal is to kind of like get as close to these children as possible um, to maybe incite a plan uh, for which to murder her husband. We get that like dance party at her house where she's like got her giant ass camera on her shoulder and she's like filming all of them dancing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that shot too, because I love how the, she's standing around in the living room and the lights go dark and it totally changes from day to night. I love that shot too. Oh yeah. That is good. That's like a cool little shot. Um, and I love that dancing sequence. That's uh and she tells Liddy to take the dog out and she's finally trying to seduce Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, can I um, can I just say that I've literally like I am literally always that friend. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know how else to say it. Like I was gonna be like, oh, I feel like I was that friend in high school, but then I was like, no, I think I'm just to go take the dog yeah, out. Yeah, I was like, I think I'm still that <laughs> same. <friend. laughs> hey Nolan, can you run around the corner and get some ice? Oh yeah, sure. Where did everybody go? Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I don't have much to say about that other than <laughs> like I was saying, I just was really trying to be critical about it last night, and I was like, no, I guess I still am that person. I just still feel like I'm that friend. <laughs> I feel like maybe where I'm not that friend is that she watched them bang for like a really long time. Right. Like she, and, um, and again, I think it calls into question that idea of, of Liddy's sexuality. Funny. Yeah. Because she's definitely watching yeah. for a very long time and she doesn't really have any abject interest in Jimmy so far as we know. No, I don't think so. Um, right after that scene, we get kind of like the the carnival, but we also get we also get another interview with Joaquin Phoenix slash Jimmy, where he's like he spends like a minute and a half explaining what is just a zombie movie. Like he's like, you know that those movies where everyone comes back from the dead and their face is falling off, they're like roaming around. Like he, like we know what zo- like we know what zombies are. This isn't a universe where people don't know what zombies. I guess it's not the Walking Dead universe <laughs> where they can't say that word, but it's like we know that there's zombies in the world. <laughs> I just thought that was so weird. But I think it just plays onto how, like, well he did, like, this really not that bright, how old was he, 16-year-old? Yeah. Uh, like, trying to put into words his feelings on, like, having sex with this, like, beautiful woman. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my God. He He basically gets, like, gaslit by Nicole because they, like, go to a photo booth um, and they go to, like, a carnival um, and she's like really seducing him into like getting coerced into doing this plan. And he's just like powerless. I also forgot yep. what the song was that she dances to. <laughs> like I forgot in my mind before oh. it gets to it. And I was like, Oh, it must be something like, um, like something slow because like the dancing is kind of like slow and gyrating. And I'm like, it must be like lay lady lay or something. And it's fucking sweet home Alabama. <laughs> I know. Oh my god, when I saw that, I was just like, oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which, like, I don't know about, I don't know about music rights, but I bet that that's, like, probably a pretty expensive song to get. Right, yeah. Oh, it's... Also just felt slightly out of place. I don't know. It's just not, I mean, I guess maybe what we're supposed to understand is, like, to, uh, like, an average viewer, that's, like, a decidedly unsexy song, but he, like... I mean, she may as well just be, like, naked on top of him. But, like, it's so I think she, funny. I think she just wanted to, like, put on a show for him. I think she would have danced for the car alarm. I don't know. It just, like, reminded me of me, like, when I want to, like, when I'm feeling really, like, lit up at a bar and something really stupid will come on. <laughs> I'll go out and dance to it. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't know. I almost thought about taking the scene and putting Visions of Gideon over it and putting it on Twitter, but I didn't do it. There's, there's still time. This won't air for weeks. If you do, I'll There's still time. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, man, that needs to take off. Um, I think my, my next note literally says, Jimmy gonna risk it all. And I think what I meant by that is the scene where she's like, performing oral sex on him and she yeah. keeps stopping like at the moments where he like seems to resist on this plan of uh murdering her husband yeah um but she does that she does she's good she did that um he did that i think it's the funniest thing in the world that they have a one-year anniversary party and the banner the first of all that there's a banner at all but the banner says like one year and still going strong <laughs> 
how many people would come to a first year anniversary party? That's my question. Like, who are all these people? Yeah. I mean, we see that like the parents interact and things like that. So I'm like, okay, maybe they have like a nice family dinner, but this is a full fledged party for these people who they just celebrated. Like they went to a wedding a year ago. I feel like one year and still going strong is like implying that they had a really rough year and it might not go further. I don't know. (laughs) It's so funny. So it's their one year. And the little cake. Oh yeah. The little cake. Um, it's their one year anniversary. This is supposed to be the night of the kill. Um, Nicole has her ironclad alibi because she's doing the weather. Um, and she does it. And I love that there's like shots of her doing the weather cut with, um, him getting killed, him getting killed specifically them counting down to it because once they get to, once they get to like the actual moment or maybe right before the look on Nicole's face changes. She has like a single moment of regret or sadness or whatever it is. And like that shot of her is from the side. It's like not the camera angle for the news camera. Yeah. Uh, it's just so striking. No, I love that post killing as she's sitting down in the chair, it sort of goes dark. Um, yeah. I, 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 I love this scene. I also love that you don't really know if that's actually what's showing on the television because it sort of goes back to Joaquin like sort of fantasizing about her as um, he was lying on the couch, but it kind of goes back to that as sort of like this big zoom in as he's trying to kill her or he's trying to kill mm-hmm. Matt Dillon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, there's also um, that moment that I forgot that at the end of the weather broadcast, Nicole says like, and if you'll allow me to take a personal moment, she says <laughs> like, she says like a very happy anniversary to my husband, Larry. But like, I don't think once, I don't think once in there, she says, I love you. I think she just says like, it's our one year. It's so cold. It's so clinical. She says like, it's our one year anniversary, period. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think her, I don't know, this like one scene when she keeps saying Larry, I think she has a really interesting accent in this movie. She sort of switches between like this very proper, um, like newscaster voice. And she also kind of goes into like a, I don't want to say like a Jersey accent, but like she has like an interesting like little voice at certain times when she says like Moretto or Larry. Um, I love her accent. It's very, um, it's not the same like tonally, but it made me think of uh, like little Edie from Grey Gardens. Yes. And that they, it has, she was like Long Island twinge to it. Yes. It has that twinge. And also it's that same idea of like, um, like partially being raised in money and having that kind of like manner of speaking, but then also like being a degree removed from it and like having this influx of all these other sources and also just being like a little, like speaking like how you think something else should sound. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I just love, she's like kind of battling, I think between those voices in the movie um, and like trying to play up her newscaster voice, but sometimes her other one will sort of, I think pop through. So totally. I think it's neat. um the way that you just said that this is such a tangent have you seen girl interrupting yeah do you know the part um do you know the girl her name's like dolly or something the one that was like burned in the fire she has the like scarred face there's that part where britney murphy is about to get out of um the hospital and they all go to get ice cream and they're walking in the snow and like dolly or whatever her name is is walking with Whoopi goldberg and she's holding her ice cream and she's like i think it's nice to do something nice on Daisy's last day. <laughs> the way you said I think it's neat just reminded me of that. <laughs> uh, 
I'm so sorry. What I was going to say next is uh, I think it's really interesting that we see that shot that you mentioned of Nicole and the lights going out. And then we immediately see all of the rest of the family being contacted. And it's not really clear. It's not really clear how the body was even discovered um, until we see them all together and Nicole is present. But like, we don't see a scene where she has to go home and fake it and then call the cops. Like we just immediately jump to like, it's not really ever explicitly stated like how that got into motion. Obviously the parents of either family didn't find them. Ileana Douglas didn't find him because we get that iconic scene where she's coming back into like the hotel or something or a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, Miss Moretto, um, a phone, like a phone call for you. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, this is the nineties because like she just in a random restaurant, someone called her. Yeah. <laughs> Locate her. Um, I love how, when she figures it out, I don't know if this is like purposeful, but she's almost like semi the minute she picks up the phone, like her mouth starts, her lips start to move. Like she almost is like ready to cry already. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like this is like the 15th take of them trying to do it. So she's just ready to go. <laughs> I think it's good. Um, like, I, but I think I love it. Yeah, maybe there's that idea that like if she's getting a call at a restaurant, she knows it's bad. Yeah, um, and then she instantly <laughs> faints. She faints. Uh, this is another. Ta- this is another tangent. I'm so sorry. I'll probably just cut this out. But have you seen the movie We Came Together with <laughs> um, Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd? Yes. Okay. So like, <laughs> there's a scene that I think about all the time in that, which you know how Amy's assistant is that black woman, and like she like exists in this spoof to like show that like how we treat people of color and like romantic comedies is basically just like furniture. Um, yeah. There's a scene where they're working in like the candy shop or whatever they work in where the phone rings and the assistant answers it and she picks up the phone and before it's even to her ear, she's like, hello, it's for you. <laughs> she, just, like, <laughs> she just like hands it over because she knows that she's just there to move the story forward. And like you talking about <laughs> Ileana just made me think of that. <laughs> like already crying. <laughs> hello, it's for you. <laughs> Oh my god, that was a good movie. It is um, a good movie. That's my favorite part of that movie, and I think about it just just so often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Nicole, Nicole is like frantic. Um, she sees the things kind of starting to unravel. She goes to the like newsroom to get her like um, talking with teens footage, and it's been subpoenaed. It's like gone. <laughs> At one point in her confessional at this point, she talks about how she doesn't know how it could happen and how she's just boggled with disbelief. (laughs) I love how she, yeah, goes from, like, nice to, like, searingly mean to um, Newman. (laughs) Like, nearly, like, cuts his arm off that's in the car. She storms away. Yeah, she Um, flips a bunch. She flips on Lydia when Lydia, like, shows up at her house and she's like, you need to get gone. And, like, Joaquin Phoenix is across the street. She flips on her when they're in the mall. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Do you want to talk about that scene? Since I know you love it. Oh, of Lydia with the wiretap at the mall? Yeah. (laughs) I love all the mall sequences, by the way. I think they're so great. I miss 90s malls. Same. Even though. Um, No, it's so good because I think she finally, like, turns on Lydia in in the best way possible. She's played she's manipulated her so well that like, I think like Lydia finally has a little crush on her and they're finally like, (laughs) I love how in movies or like mall sequences, like I'm trying to think of one. It typically happens in like thrillers. They're able to go into like these like 
back mall spaces oh, or like I'll, the basement of a mall I'll so quickly you, i'll tell you exactly one which is in the first season of the oc when they have their first christmas episode yes! and they go in and they're like <laughs> not only are they like just going through like the storage units of the mall but they're like playing on all the holiday stuff that is just like sitting unopened (laughs) everywhere yes yeah like how do you get back there like in one fell swoop nicole takes lydia from like you know orange julius in the food court to like these like massive uh air conditioning units um i will say that i worked in a mall for like over five years and we had tunnels sort of like that and i would always go in them um like to get to work and pe- like just customers would be like smoking in them. And I'm like, can you n- not? <laughs> so like people do it. <laughs> the best part about that scene. Yeah, I think it's. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go- no, go ahead. I was going to say the best part about that scene for me is the very end of it, which is like they're having a face off and Nicole is standing right next to an escalator and she's facing away from it. And she <gasps> just takes a single step back onto the escalator and escapes. And I'm like, that is the single it's, most dangerous. That's more dangerous than trying to kill Matt Dillon. Like what you just did. It's so dangerous, but so slick. She did it in like one fell swoop, but it's also like, I guess the moment where she finally separates herself from Lydia and these kids and saying like that she came from like a better background and she's going to like a jury will believe her. Like she's finally playing up on the fact that she kind of has this better upbringing than Lydia. Um, and uh, Jimmy, it, 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 it's really well done. Um, she just completely turns on these kids. Um, and yet at the end of it, Lydia is still like such a huge fan of uh, Suzanne and like all the, I guess, goodness she brought into her life, despite kind of the sequence which is interesting. Yeah. And the sequence is really all Lydia kind of like sacrifices that friendship, at least in her mind, um, because the like audio can't be used because they get it thrown out as entrapment, which like it is. (laughs) Yep. Um, (laughs) um, But this is where I get the Chicago twist because like Nicole is really cornered. And then she um, brings up that suddenly Matt Dillon has this like cocaine habit Right. And this is immediately where I thought of Chicago too. Yeah. Um, And then we start seeing all the side characters saying in their interviews at different times. And that was the last time I saw her. And you're like, Oh, did she, did she flee the country? Did she change her name? Did she just never speak to them again? Um, And we see this sequence that starts with Nicole breaking her last confessional and we see it zoom out, which I love the reveal that she's not sitting in front of um, a studio screen. She's just sitting in front of her window, like with blinds. Right. So it's still, she still hasn't gotten the notoriety and attention. She thought she was going to. So good. And she takes the tape out and she like meets with this. (laughs) She meets with this like quote unquote, like studio executive on a bridge, like in the snow. (laughs) (laughs) So dumb. My big Hollywood break. I also love, um, we haven't really discussed Walter, the dog, but Walter has like a little matching hat to her outfit in this scene. Yeah, where he's like, who's that? And then the camera pans <laughs> and you see Walter and he just looks at him with the hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I didn't realize that this was, um, the hitman was David Cronenberg, uh, the director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's uh, he's credited in the movie, I think, as Man at Lake, which is really fun. <laughs> That's so vague, but um, I love how she went along with the scene. Was like, "Come on, let's go down the bridge," and it's like an ice lake. He's not even um, like he's he doesn't even give her compelling reasons to go. He's not even like we have like I can't even think of a situation. He literally is just like, "No, no, no!" Like, come with me. Like the thing that you would say to a toddler, where it's like, "No, no, no!" Like it's cool down here. Like, come, like yeah, let's go. 
Um, and then it sort of cuts. Yeah, they walk. They walk kind of off screen. They walk behind like a a barn or like a ice house thing, and uh, then we see some more confessionals. I think that when Joaquin says how he still loves her, but then later, like the next sentence, he says that he can't remember what she looks like. Like that is just the most heartbreaking thing. Um, and then we get Lydia's, as I mentioned earlier, kind of like repeating Nicole's speech and the camera does this thing where it kind of like doubles. So we're seeing her in duplicate and then it doubles again. So oh, seeing, it multiplies. Yeah. And like, yeah. I think what we're supposed to understand there is like these stories are like being broadcast and shared with the nation, but I think it's really interesting that it does it for Lydia and not for like a Suzanne clip. Yeah. I just think I, I, you know, this whole movie, I think, plays into irony and the fact that Lydia is, you know, she sort of says it like, I'm finally going to be the one on TV. Wouldn't Suzanne, like, Suzanne would be so mad or, she, like, Suzanne would be She specifically livid. says, specifically says Suzanne would die if she knew. Oh, well, there we go. Which is iconic. <laughs> and then, will you tell us, <clears throat> will you tell the folks at home what the last scene of the movie is? Uh, the last scene is just the most incredible... Um, we go back to that ice lake and it's Suzanne underneath the ice um, looking in her blue eyeshadow and makeup still intact. She's underneath the lake, but on top is our queen Janice Moretto doing her skating routine on that lake. She's, uh, and do you know what she's skating to? Do you know? No. Oh, the, so, the song is um, season of the witch, which I think is. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So funny. Um, I should also point out to the viewers that when Nolan logged onto this website to record this, uh, it makes you choose a username and he put Janice Moreto. <laughs> she got the last laugh. She got to do her routine. Um, oh, it's so If only she good. did it in the Blossom outfit. But I love her outfit in this last scene. She's in this, like, her outfit. I'm in, like, Christmas movie mode. She's wearing the same outfit that, like, Zoe De Chanel wore an elf at the end of it when she's meeting with like she goes to the North Pole. It's like this like pink frilly skirt. <laughs> she looks like Zoe De Chanel at the North Pole. Um. It's such a good look. We also kind of glossed over like there is a, a, a very explicit connection made that um, this hitman calls the the Moretto parents and like lets them know that the oh, deed yeah. is done. The father responds like in Italian over the phone, makes this like very furtive eye contact with the wife. Like everyone knows, so I think it's safe to assume that Ileana knows too, and she is, um, yeah. I mean, she is blissful, and it is truly so nice. Yeah, I love that she's. I love like, that she knows. Yeah, I love that she knows, and I love that she's like inadvertently the hero of this movie. <laughs> well, she got the last. She got the last laugh. She got the last dance. Ah, uh, um. Should we really quickly talk about Pamela Smart? I know we're yes. Um, so oh, it's like not a secret. It. It's like not a secret that this movie and really this movie is based on a book, but this book is based off of um, the Pamela Smart case, uh, where Pamela Smart was like a she was like a computer science teacher, and she had um, allegedly her fifteen year old boyfriend kill her husband. Um, have you seen the HBO documentary about her? By the way, I have. It is. So good. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> it's so good. It reinforces, and the reason I want to talk about it is because it reinforces the idea that, like, the American justice system is so much not about whether you did or did not do something. It is exclusively about, like, did you get access to a fair trial? And that movie or yeah. the documentary, like, 
very much makes the argument that she did not because it was our first time like pre OJ, like dealing with the media in a case. And it's like, we as a people were not ready for that. And like, no way did she receive. No, I don't know. I think I'm controversially going to go on the record as saying I'm a Pamela smart apologist. (laughs) But it's, yeah, it's like that. And then, I mean, I know you also want to talk about I, It's this idea that, you know, I know there's been a lot of uproar of Tanya Harding getting this like treatment in a movie when she sort of, you know, was so violent towards Nancy Kerrigan, but it's like, what, what, what was fair? What was fair at the time? What was the background? What was the story? I mean, I think for the Pamela Smart case in New Hampshire, that's still one of the like highest publicized cases in that state history might still be the highest publicized case in state history. Um, but I found an article on people.com. There's a whole section called People Crime, which is fascinating oh, to me. I am disclosed on People Crime. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know this, but it's so amazing. Um, it's so um, who weekly to me. Um, but uh, it's talking about Pamela Smart didn't like Nicole Kidman's portrayal of her, um, which was interesting to me. She found it very one-dimensional. Which, uh, which is so funny because there is... There is the actual, like, Pamela Smart, like, made-for-TV movie, which I think has Helen Hunt in it. Oh, my God. Yeah, because they talk about it in a documentary, <laughs> but there is, like, the Pamela Smart story. Um, yeah. Which I should probably, we should probably watch it some more. <laughs> yeah. I just, I think it's interesting because I, like, there is a lot of uproar about I, Tonya, and I'm sure there was similar uproar, although maybe not to the extent because this is kind of, like, a metaphorical version. But, like, I don't yeah. think... I don't think I, Tanya exists to say sympathize with this woman. I think I, Tanya exists to open the door to ask those questions. And I think that's a very interesting right. place to be. It like makes me mad. Right, right. I mean, obviously there's a lot to be said about like domestic violence in that movie and those kinds of things. And I'm not really like here to discuss that, but I, I think like, no. of the question of her guilt or innocence, like I don't think that movie is like exists to exonerate. And that's why I think like that argument is kind of bullshit. Right. I never, I mean, jumping to my Tanya, I never saw it as a film that was like, you know, exonerating her. I think it just kind of brought up the question and discussed the trial because I mean, for a lot of people, I, I don't know about you, like a, a lot of young folks saw it and didn't really know anything about the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan drama or um, how big of a case and uh, situation that was in the early nineties. Um, but do you want to talk about how your thoughts on I, Tanya in this movie quick? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I mostly covered them, but I think it's so interesting that we have, you know, a a woman um, allegedly kind of like orchestrating a crime um, on behalf of a much like executed by a much younger, well, maybe not much younger in both instances, but essentially like a, a crime against someone and there's like confusion about her culpability um, there is like a fame element to it. There's an interview kind of yeah. confessional standpoint. Um, I'm sure, like, I'm sh- I haven't done any research purposely, but I'm sure that like, I-, I don't think we're breaking any walls down here by like drawing the parallels between the two. Um, but I just think it's so interesting that the movies both exist and one is like very much in the zeitgeist right now. And the other one is one that we just kind of like dug up from the trenches. Right. That's um, what did I just yeah. say? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think with me, like this and I taught or like I Tanya and to die for, I don't know. They're both movies to me about like getting out to a certain extent. Like they're born in these sort of circumstances. I mean, even though that Suzanne Stone or Nicole Kimmon in this film is like well off, she still wants to get out of New Hampshire and Tanya Harding kind of wanted to get out of where she was. Um, 
And I think that there's some sort of parallel to them and they would do any means possible to sort of get out. And they have these, I guess, really interesting backstories. One very tragic, but, uh, I'm ranting. Okay. No, I, it's yeah, fine. No, I no, just, it's good. It, 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 <laughs> you brought up the one, you I, brought up the point that's really interesting, which is like it's not necessarily the crimes for either of them that like brought them down. Like in a lot of ways, it's yeah. how naive they were. <laughs> yeah. Like part of that yes. is like by their station, and part of that is just not. But like really, like the naivety of um, Suzanne is like ultimately will lead to her downfall. Like she's just not. She's not the worldly person that she thinks she is. No. Ugh. Anyway, any any closing thoughts on this before I make you rank this movie? I don't know. Uh, we just have to get Ileana Douglas uh, EGOT. That's sort of my my goal. Uh, I'm gonna. I would love to see. I'm trying to think of what her Tony could be for. I would love to see her in like um, obviously a musical. But if I can't choose that, I would love to see her in like. I will say that I could totally see this going to Broadway. Um, if it hasn't already, I don't know any research on this. I could totally see this being made into like a musical of some sort. I'm, I, I am, un- I, I, I listen to this podcast and I know you are very well versed in this and I am not, but I could totally just see this being made into sort of a, a musical with, with numbers and it could do really well. I don't know why I say that. But oh I just, no, I, I agree. I, see, I think I see the potential. It has, well, it has like all of some of like the hallmarks of like what makes a great musical adaptation, which is like, uh, well, I think the crime helps, but I think like even just the yeah. the mechanic of you kind of have a, a way to directly address the audience already through those interviews and like what is a song in a musical if not a way to directly address an audience in the middle of telling a story. So like, yeah, yep. sure, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to those big Broadway producers listening, have we yes. have we got an idea for you? We don't have the rights. We don't know how it works. <laughs> But we, we've got <laughs> the rights of the works, but we know <laughs> we've got an idea folder as big as Suzanne's. <laughs> um, do you, <laughs> do you feel equipped to rank this movie? Sure. Great. Um, Let's do it. So these are going to be one through five categories. The fives are going to be kind of the higher score. Um, these okay. can be based on really anything. It could be based on just Nicole or it could be based on the whole movie um, in your case, it can probably be based on Ileana Douglas. Um, <laughs> and you are vying for a high score for this particular season um, in pursuit of the coveted Golden Compass Award. So <laughs> thank you for laughing. <laughs> it's going to stop being funny once I, once I actually do my Golden Compass episode. But until then, it's hilarious as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Um, okay, so your first category, one through five, is going to be the wigs in the movie. Oh, wigs. Okay, I thought about, I, yeah, I thought about this a lot. I, I like her hair in this movie. Um, I like it when it's kind of curled up at the ends. Um, when it was sort of straight in certain scenes, it wasn't my favorite. Um, she also has a couple of wigs. She has the longer ones when she was younger that I thought were sort of Stepford Wivesy. Um, okay, I'm going to give it a... I'm gonna give it a five. I love these wigs in Nicole. Wow, that was you I, really, I can't give half. <laughs> you really sold yourself. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a five. Perfect. Um, someone will someone will drag me, but I'm gonna give it a five. <laughs> um, okay, how do you feel? And I know you've touched on this a little. How do you feel about the accents in this movie? <sighs> um, a four. Cool. Is that just based on Nicole, or is that? Um, 
Oh, oh, like overall for the whole no, no, everybody? No. I mean, listen, first of all, you don't have to explain yourself. I was just curious. <laughs> <laughs> just throws out seven. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, if we're going to include everybody in it and including Matt Dillon, I mean, I'll give it a four. Um, with Nicole, I guess I'll also give it a four because I think sometimes it's, again, no slander to Nicole, um, but it is sometimes a little bit over the place. I didn't know if it was some sort of uh, symbolism of like moving between accents between, you know, her TV newscaster and, you know, her regular voice but i'll give it a four for to die for beautiful so this next one is the naomi Watts score um this i guess this just requires a formal explanation so a high score on this would suggest a high level of kinship with naomi to this movie meaning like did she audition for suzanne which we know she didn't um like has she seen this movie uh did she rent it at a hollywood video do her and nicole text about this movie um, does she like own a like a burned DVD copy of it? Like you can justify it however you want, but the more connection, the higher the okay. score. Okay. Um, I think that Naomi has seen this movie, and I think maybe she saw it sort of sitting on the couch with Leave in their beautiful apartment that I sometimes vie for. That was an architectural digest. And it's on HBO. And um after she saw it, she sort of texts Nick and goes, um, I just saw this movie you're in so long ago, really good. And then Nicole never replied. Um, and I, okay. So what would that qualify it as? <laughs> a three, a four. <laughs> you, you tell me. Um, let's say four. Okay. Let's, let's do four. That's how I think Naomi could see it and go, Naomi could see it and go, I could do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just was picturing her doing the, um, I don't know if this will resonate with you, but just the number I can do that from a chorus yeah. line. Okay, great. Where she's just yeah. she's just wearing <laughs> Ileana Douglas's ice skating costume and just tapping all over the damn place. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, so this is going to be approachability one through five. So if you see Suzanne Stone Moretto on the street, how likely are you to strike up a conversation with her? Oh Jesus! And this um, can be this can be just looks only, like she's a complete stranger, or it can be you know her and the contents of the movie. It's honestly whatever floats your boat. Oh God! Um, <laughs> this would be funny because I'm trying to think of like Suzanne would have like if she got famous, she'd have like a gaggle of gays around her or something. Well, or, um... I don't mean I don't mean to answer this question for you, but I just pictured um, you like holding, oh fuck my doorbell, just trying to hold on a second. Okay. Oh, sorry. I just had a rug delivered. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is it cute? It's super cute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, what I was saying is. Should we start it over? No, that's, yeah. I, I think I remember the last thing I said. I was just say okay. it's funny to me that um like I don't want to answer this question for you, but I just imagined you in a um like in a J crew, like at a like a long table lifting up different sweaters and you're kind of like sidling down the table and then you bump into Suzanne who's like also holding a sweater and like I just feel like there's no way there's not a situation where you don't talk to that woman. <laughs> I would die if she was in le- yeah, I will say this. If she was in any of the outfits she wore in this movie, I would absolutely talk to her. That's what I mean. I'd be so like, if you're oh. seeing Suzanne, because you're seeing like her. You're- oh, then a five. Absolutely. <laughs> I would totally like strike her up and ask where she got something. And then she would like probably like very coldly tell me. Um, 
And but still, it would be the interacting with her. Absolutely. Okay, cool. I was gonna say I don't normally try to steer people into their answers, but I was yeah. like, no, no, this is a five. <laughs> I've never been absolute five. I just like, and it'd be like oh, she'd say something to me, but she probably wouldn't. That'd be like a dream. I just that's that outfit where she, again that I mentioned where she's wearing that like blue blazer and then the like orange scarf. I just imagine you two slowly looking at each other, and you're just both wearing that scarf. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, the next one is going to be uh, on a one through five scale. How suppressive to the teachings of Scientology do you think that this movie is? Um, <laughs> what's interesting to me about this movie is like, I don't mean to be going on tangent, but like, um, the book said that if the movie was going to be played, it'd be played by Tom Cruise's wife, and then it ended up being Nicole Kidman. Yes, and I then love the- that detail. <laughs> And then that this movie is about killing your husband, and I cannot, for the life of me, think that Nicole just didn't want to kill Tom at some point. Um, I, okay, uh, sorry, tangent. But no, um, that's good. That's that's supporting evidence for this score. <laughs> so I'm going to say that it's a solid four. Or, well, it's about murder. Five. It's a it's a five about suppressing uh, Scientology. Wonderful. Uh, I think. This this might be a very high scoring movie. This might be our best movie. Um, okay, your oh, last wow. yeah, your last uh, category is going to be overall level of iconicness as it pertains to Nicole's career. Um, overall iconicness, I would say. And sometimes, sometimes a rule of thumb for this is like, does my mom know about this movie? Or like when my mother thinks about Nicole Kidman, like, does she think about this movie? So I'd give it a four because I don't think it's like that well known to be honest. I've been excited in telling people I've been talking about to die for, and I don't think it's truthfully (laughs) with people Um, or people have actually been quite divisive on it, which is interesting. But um, I think it's a great movie for Nicole. I think it's sort of, really showed her her acting chops um and she really wanted this role and i think it really showed and she's so great in it um so for iconicness i give it a four personally it's you know it's something that opened my eyes to nicole and i think sort of just her acting abilities and how amazing an actor she is but i will give it a four in terms of iconicness i mean that gives you a very very strong um 27 out of 30 that's pretty close to perfect oh wow um i think and again i don't know when this is going to air but that is currently our highest score it's tied with something else that hasn't aired so i'll tell you what that is in a second offline um but uh it beats out what i know is at least something else that the next highest that has aired which is moulin rouge at 26 so there's a chance that you could win this oh whoa before we go uh i have one last challenge for you um, and I okay. think you may know what it is, but for the sake of explaining it to uh, the people listening, I'll explain it anyway. Um, in lieu of talking about uh, television epic Big Little Lies, uh, myself, I've been asking my guests to do it. Um, the only catch is I've been asking them to do it in 60 seconds. Um, so in the next 60 seconds, if you could, um, I'll have you explain the plot and just whatever you feel is important for an audience member to know about that show, you have the next minute to do so. Okay. Um, Big Little Lies um, is set in Monterey, California, which is a well-off 
uh, town in Northern California. And it focuses on uh, the women and mothers who sort of dominate the town. Um, it focuses, it starts with uh, Shailene Woodley, who plays Jane. And she moved recently from Santa Cruz and she sort of has a very mysterious past. And she has her son, Ziggy. And we don't know who the father is, but she enrolls her, or she enrolls Ziggy at this very kind of well off school where she meets Madeline Martha McKenzie. Um, I don't know why I still remember that, but it's just a great name. Uh, played by Reese Witherspoon, and she's sort of the know-it-all controlling um, mom. And then Nicole Kidman uh, plays Celeste, who is an ex-lawyer who lives this beautiful-seeming life to everyone. And um, basically, it sort of um, it moves in reverse. There's a murder at the beginning of the show, and over the course of time... <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay. Um, <laughs> Are you not? Are you not it's happy? So com- it's so complicated to explain. Uh, it, um, it's a lot. Again, I've said this a million times, but I love that everyone mentions Monterey. Like it, it is a character. Yeah. <laughs> um, I drove to Monterey to like drive around once after seeing Big Little Lies. Um, wasn't what I expected. Oh, because uh, right, of course, because you were here in San Francisco for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's just like Cannery Row. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. It's that it. <laughs> um, but I guess they might have, I heard some. someone told me they have tours now of like Big Little Lies around there. Jesus. What's um, so funny is, is like, so half, great. half of it is, um, half of it is Monterey and then half of it is just like various parts of LA. Like those stairs are for sure in LA. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's so oh. weird. Um, that was um, great. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I'm so glad you were here to do this. <laughs> I'm so glad. This was so much fun. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, before I let you go, where can people find you? Where can people find me? Um, they can find me probably trolling around New York, uh, talking to myself. Um, but on the internet, you can find me um, on Twitter at Aunt Nolan, A-U-N-T-N-O-L-A-N. Um I'm on Instagram too, which I don't really use all that often, but it's my name, Nolan Flaherty, F-L-A-H-E-R-T-Y. Um, I'm on LinkedIn too. Uh, you can follow <laughs> me there. <laughs> um, and that's about it. Uh, can I tell you that one of the reasons I was most excited to have you was to get a d- definitive on the record answer as to whether it was Aunt Nolan or Aunt Nolan? Okay. It, 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 it depends. Some people go Aunt Nolan. Some people go Aunt Nolan. Um, I personally go Aunt Nolan because that's just how I am. But some people go Aunt, and it's you know tomato tomato. Uh, Do what's right for you. That was so great. Um, as always, you can find the podcast itself uh, on iTunes and Google Play. You can also find us on Twitter at the Kid Manifesto or me directly at Mr. Sam Herbst. Um, Nolan, before we go, is there something you'd like to be played out to on this episode? Oh my goodness. Um, it can be from something from the movie or just something that you want. <laughs> um, wait, can you do um, Season of the Witch? Yeah, of course. Yay! I can't wait till the first time I get sued for this, but... <laughs> uh, um, if you do get sued over it, then do something else. But It's fine. If, if, okay. if I don't get sued, please enjoy the sounds of Season of the Witch. If I do get sued, just hear the sounds of the lawyer that I had to hire. <laughs> Oh, Nolan, thank you so much. Thank you, Sam. (laughs) Bye. Bye. 